Welcome to the Gil and Brenda podcast as we share tips, tools, and tingles for your relationship. Listen for the action steps at the end, and now let's get to it. Hey, Brenda. Nice to have you uh, sitting across the table here. As we get to talk about something today that I think that uh, really touched a nerve in you a couple of days ago. You were having a conversation with a girlfriend, and you bump into people where you work, and so forth. And there was a real bee in your bonnet, so to say, about this particular topic. So I'm just going to kind of hand it off to you and then I'm going to get out of the way. <laughs> no, we'll have a discussion like we always do, right? Oh, yeah. I'm not on this <laughs> no, one. No, discussion sounds negative. No. Uh-huh. I guess I've just been really wrestling with this whole idea of people that are married and, you know, when you get married, you think, oh, I'm going to be, you know, have my best friend with me my whole life and, and do life together and have a great time. And, and the idea that people are lonely in their marriage has just, I think it's just made me really sad and has made me aware that that might be more common than we realize. Yeah, because they may have gone away on their honeymoon and mm-hmm. blown up into a huge fight. And they don't even realize that the issue of loneliness could start right after the honeymoon or maybe on the honeymoon. Yeah. I mean, as we work with couples all the time, a lot of times we'll say, you know, the problems they're presenting, when did this first, you know, when did you have this challenge? And nine times out of 10, it's like, oh, like in the first year of marriage. Uh So, yeah, I need to flush that out. But it's funny because I had, you know, did some research online and uh, psychology today uh, said that studies indicate that roughly 20% of the general population suffers from chronic loneliness at any given time. And in one recent study of older adults, 62.5% of people reported being lonely were married and living with their spouse. That's 62.5%. Yeah, and that research comes from back in 2013. So yeah. here we are seven years oh. later, and who knows what it is. So right. feeling isolated is part of feeling lonely and isolation within the marriage actually kind of saps the strength of the connection. Yeah, and, and what happens is that leads to divorce very it, easily. It, it can it can build up some resentment and the grounds for some problems. So, let's define the issue of isolation. So, the isolation defined is the condition of being alone, separated, and set apart. But I think it goes beyond that. That's kind of clinical. Yeah. What's yeah. it feel like to be as, uh, to be isolated? And to feel isolated is to be excluded, not cared for. I'm unimportant. And even worse, I feel displaced. Mm. You don't care. Yeah. That yeah. really hurts. Yeah. So when that starts happening, feeling lonely within your marriage becomes part of something to where I don't feel a part of you or anything bigger. And I start feeling smaller and smaller and then more and more disconnected. Now I'm scared. Yeah, and then there's no we. Yeah, it's, it's lost. It's just me or I, mm-hmm. and there's no connection. And what happens is that um, you almost become separate entities, like you're doing life parallel to each other. Mm-hmm. The friendship's um, lost. Yeah, yeah. And, but every so often, you know, in those situations, sometimes, you know, the person that's feeling lonely and isolated might, might um, put themselves out there emotionally. But every time they do that... The response they get from their spouse is sarcastic or mean or have some kind of cold remarks. Or crickets. 
Yeah, and then your <laughs> then that spouse is feeling lonely is afraid to take the risk to even try again. Yeah, radio silence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, what? What? And then and more disconnection. So yeah. we're on the wrong frequency. Yeah, exactly. And that's what happens when we're disconnected. And then also part of that disconnection, what happens is you drift. Uh oh. Yeah, and that's when your your parallel lives begin to drift in almost opposite directions. You no, know, we, we is that drift thing. We talked about that in season one. Uh, I think it was like episode number forty seven. So if you go back to season one, y'all, uh, and and listen in on what we talked about drift. It's yeah. it's a little bit different, but drift I think leads to loneliness, and loneliness is maybe the end result of the drift. You have to be intentional not to drift. Yeah, but getting back to the safety, too, safety erodes, uh, and then the disconnection becomes more pronounced, and then you stop connecting. And so many couples we talk with, they'll come and say, well, we have a communication problem, and we both know nine times out of ten, it's not a communication problem, it's a connection problem. Yeah, but I want to take you back, honey, to what you said about safety eroding uh, the safety eroding is is that because there's drift, because there's loneliness, I don't feel mm-hmm. safe with you. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Kind of, kind of let that breathe a little bit more. Well, I think what happens is you stay away from the conversations that you would, you know, normally think you would be safe by talking about being very transparent on your feelings, and you can disagree with each other, and you there's safety there. But what happens is conversations become very transactional, like, well, we need milk, or your mother called, or did you remember to pay the cable bill, stuff like that. If your mother called, I wouldn't tell you. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of times when our marriages are struggling, and we've talked about this before, it's so easy to hide behind the kids. And that's, you know, that's where we all get in trouble because in the name of being a good parent, we don't have to deal with the marriage. And sometimes we get so like I'm being a good parent. So then I must be an okay spouse. But I think you've said something many, many times, especially when we're doing seminars or workshops that parents and sometimes women specifically can hide behind the children. Yeah, do you think the moms do that more than the dads? I don't well, know. Well, I think the dads can just become completely aloof or let's just go do sports or let's mm-hmm. just go do something with the kids. But he never really engages with his wife because for some reason he doesn't feel safe. Right, right. And then that's where it becomes transactional. Right. It's like the day-to-day bullet point, you know, did you get the mail kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So typically... We may uh, not think about it, but loneliness as a condition requires sometimes some urgent uh, intervention. And perhaps we should then really understand that there's anguish going on and it really could be impacting us mentally and physiologically. Wow, I never thought of that end of it. Yeah, because loneliness depresses the immune system functionally. It it Hmm. slows things down. It increases inflammatory responses in the body. Because body is going to get connected by emotion. So mm-hmm. it, it impacts the heart, literally, physiologically, mm-hmm. the heart, the organ that goes thump, 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 wow. slows down. Gets yeah. in, it gets impaired, impaired. That's not a word, impaired. impaired. There we go. Uh, it can literally shorten our lifespan. Wow. Uh, yeah. Our mental health up front becomes potentially depressed or anxious and causes us to have distortions. Uh, you know, and in our own lives, relationships then become more negative, negative in our lives, our, our relationships become more negative, which in turn influences, which in turn influences our behavior, which damages 
me and you. Mm. We don't get an us. We don't get a we because yeah. I'm too tied up with myself. Right. So there's a comment that uh, in my research and, and studying as a counselor, uh, Susan Johnson is the creator of a, of a modality, psychobab for a counseling <laughs> process, called emotional focus therapy. And one of the little training videos I watched was kind of interesting, as she said in the opening remarks, because we are trying to, like you said, connect emotionally, not mm-hmm. just communicate, but for most couples, we're scaring the hell out of each other mm, because yeah. we are not safe. We are not approachable. I get complaining. You turn into nagging. We drift. Mm -hmm. We have separate lives. We become lonely. And therefore, we really do have to press in to connect with one another rather than scare the hell out of each other. Learn how to make each other safe. Mm. That is so. And that takes practice, especially if you haven't had it. Right. It's going to feel really weird. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But some telltale signs of isolation, because isolation and loneliness are kind of like the kissing cousins, right? A couple things. Say that again. Loneliness and isolation are like kissing cousins. Like they're in the same. Kissing cousins, they ain't kissing. Because they're isolated and they're lonely. How would they kiss? Uh, hey, just work with me. Uh, okay. okay, maybe maybe, <laughs> no, maybe they live in Kentucky or Tennessee. <laughs> I don't know. If you live in Kentucky or Tennessee, please do not be offended. <laughs> or not. I don't know. Okay, okay go ahead. So, so kissing cousins, yeah, isolation. Same and, idea. Okay, like they're, okay, they're, right. they're closely related. There right, you go. Right. That's what I should have said. Okay, so okay, yeah. feeling that your spouse isn't hearing you and doesn't understand. That you can feel very isolated when you feel like your spouse isn't hearing you and doesn't even make an effort to understand you. I want to take on that for just a second Mm -hmm. because you just said being willing to understand. There's a difference between, oh, I know what you're talking about Mm -hmm. and you feeling like I understood you. Right. And I think yeah. if uh, if I get this right, because of what I do every day with people is most likely the reason why you feel understood is that somewhere along the line, you felt validated. Mm, yeah. And I went, oh, I could see how you Even feel Even if way. you don't agree with me, just oh. that you understand. Oh, I, I probably don't agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> but but the point of it is, is I, I get out of my shoes, so to say, and into your shoes and I don't wear high heels, by the way, guys, uh, and begin to feel what you're feeling. And that leads into empathy, right? Oh. And how good do we do, how well do we do in a society with empathy? And I think the best way to, to understand empathy is Brene Brown has a great video on empathy. It's this little cartoon. It's like three minutes long. You can find it on YouTube. And it really explains empathy well, where you're actually sitting in Sitting in it with somebody. Sitting in it. You want to explain what it is? No, let let our listeners decide. It's a pile of poo or something like that. Okay. (laughs) So so back to the, the point of where you're coming from. Isolation, loneliness is is this creeping crud attitude of tall tale signs of isolation is nobody cares. You don't care. Why try? Tomorrow, let's talk about it tomorrow. Let's just get some sleep. Yeah, he's pushing it off. Which pushes it off and and conveys the attitude of, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Another thing is feeling unable to please or meet the expectations of your spouse. Oh, gosh. Expectations. And that's, you know what? I bet 
I bet that most people, and I fall prey to this, I have these expectations of you, but I fail to let you know what they are. So how the heck are you supposed to meet my expectations if you don't even know what they are? Uh, It's pretty tough because I don't read (laughs) minds. And if your expectations are unrealistic because, hey, that was the way you did it before in your family of origin or something to that nature, then your expectations are coming from a place of, I don't know, I don't have that concept. And they may not even be realistic. Right. But if I keep it in my head, we can't even have that conversation. Or I could say this expectation is important because I saw it not done well in my, you know, previous relationship or family of origin or whatever. But the idea is to have a conversation about it, right? Another telltale sign I think is from for guys is, is that for some reason or another, we feel like you're going another way, that we're not together. Hmm. And for you, what do you feel? Well, you could get your other way could be you're so involved in your sports or your job or whatever that it gets back to what you were saying. I don't feel valued. Mm -hmm. And I think husbands can totally feel that way. If the, the wife is so involved with their kids, it's like she's putting the kids before her husband and that's so not right. Oh boy. Yeah. And that message comes across probably more than we want it to. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think another thing is, is refusing to cope with reality. Uh, It's your problem, not mine, which is completely contrary to the us. Mm -hmm. And I think so many times when I'm sitting with couples and I hear that come across one of them saying, oh, it's not my problem, it's yours. I stop them dead in their tracks and go, is that a good statement for us or you? And I let that sit in the room. And then I look at him and go, if it's good for her, it's probably good for us. And if it's good for us, I'm doing it. I'm I'm in. <laughs> and that's why you're the counselor, because you could walk through that with them. Because if I heard somebody say that... You'd kick their butt. I, I'd smack them, because that <laughs> is just not acceptable. Because if the <laughs> us, I mean, if it's your problem, well, it, maybe it is. Yeah. But but do you feel supported? It has to be our problem. Yeah, but, but I, I, I may not have the resolve. Can I validate it? But if you feel like I'm in it with you, mm-hmm. it, yeah. it's still your problem. But now I'm supportive. Right. Okay, and I think that's the big difference because then us benefits. It wins. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So don't do that. Don't say it's your problem. Stop it. Stop it. (laughs) Okay, another one? Uh, That kind of permeates uh, isolation, keeping the peace to avoid the conflict rather than experiencing the pain of dealing with reality. Okay, slow down what you just said. Well, we've said this many times before. A lot of times people think that what brings... Um, connection and and that deep I love you in a relationship is a great experience, a great vacation, or you made a lot of money or whatever. But what the one thing that bonds couples more than anything is pain. So what you're saying is, is that if I avoid the pain, if I just to keep the peace, I avoid the conflict, actually... That's doing us a disservice. It's You're, actually it's actually disrespecting you. It's disrespect, disrespecting myself. And you're missing a great opportunity to build connection. But but, but leaning into the pile of poo, because I, I don't know how this is going to go. I didn't say it was going to be easy. <laughs> oh, okay. But that's where the commitment and the trust comes in. And if I feel like, okay, this is going to be messy. We know it's going to be messy. Yeah. But we agree to lean into it anyway then at the front, then you feel connected and not lonely. Right. And conflict isn't always bad. 
it's obviously how you approach how, each other. How you do it. Yeah, and it's like you you know, like you have the conversation, okay, we're going to talk about this subject because we know it's both really puts us in high conflict. So I, we're going into this um, expecting the best of each other, thinking the best of each other mm-hmm. so that it's not going to be negative and, you know, throwing you under the bus kind of thing. We're going to do it in an adult conversation. So right? what, so what does avoidance actually lead to? It, it leads to silence. Mm-hmm. And uh, in some of my research with regards to conflict styles, silence is actually avoiding. Mm, and where yeah. we avoid and we do not talk, we are creating the seedbed for resentment, which creates even more loneliness because now I resent how you're coming off and I don't want to engage. So I think the key thought here is silence feels secure, but it actually is pre- it's precisely the opposite. It's perilously deceptive Yeah, because yeah. in that silence breeds a lot of wrong, distorted thinking and I, I really loved a concept recently that if if I can mention something to you, mm-hmm. we might actually be better at managing it, i.e., oh, yeah. the fact of if I can name it, we can tame it. Right. But if right. I stay silent, this thing grows into a big, hairy monster in the basement that could rip our face off yeah. Yeah. and right. doom our relationship. Yeah. So okay. there's some other probable reasons for someone to isolate themselves. Let's say one of the spouses, one of the, the significant others, you know, your honey or, or whatever is, is, is trying to engage you. But for some reason, the other person's continually pulling back. Mm-hmm. And there are some other probable issues that might be here that do need professional help, such as addictions, thinking distortions, or even more deeply, the issue around attachment and bonding wounds. That is a huge mm-hmm. issue of how do I self-regulate, which is a psychobab word, which means how do I have self-control? Mm-hmm. How do I soothe myself so that I can connect with you and you can connect with me? So yeah. the ultimate reason that potentially why I might be pulling back and not mm-hmm. connecting and, and becoming more and more lonely and harder to connect with is because I've got trauma in my background. Mm-hmm. And that trauma could go way so deep that I might know that I want to connect with you in my head, mm-hmm. but in my heart, and because things that are so locked up in my heart and in my emotional history, I can't get to it. And you do need professional help to get to trauma. Right. It, it is something that's so locked up, so to say, in the basement that most anybody is terrified to go dig that out. Not by themselves, but with some professional help. And what a great opportunity. Again, trauma to me is pain for a spouse to be able to come alongside oh, their absolutely. spouse and walk. Let them know that you're not going anywhere. And Oh, I, I, I just have to jump in is, is that if a spouse is willing to bite their tongue while their, their, their mate takes the trauma trip and, and are, are able to square off with it and heal, that just made you... A million times more safer. Yes, because yeah. you you did the you did the the journey with me without criticism, without putting me down, and loved me anyway. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that that connection, that loneliness now is because we we traveled it together. Yeah, and it's that bonding and connection. Yeah, absolutely. And- once again, it's not going to be all unicorns and fairy tales and gumdrops. You're dealing with, with trauma. That is deep, dark stuff. But all oh, the freedom that comes in it yeah. when you're brave enough to go. I love what you've always said, Gil, is that the most dangerous journey is a journey to your heart. Yeah. 
And some of us, because of our background and our upbringing or life, need to face off with some stuff to give us that freedom that we can be loved the way we really, truly want to be loved. Yeah, that's a whole podcast in itself, yeah. sweetie, because the nature of trauma could indeed be a, a telltale reason deep, deep, deep why a person is lonely. And even though you reach out to them, they can't reach back. Mm-hmm. So that that we'll just set that aside. So that's at one extreme. Yeah, that's an extreme. The other extreme is one of you just being an, an idiot. So stop it. <laughs> that mean, would be called selfish. <laughs> Yeah. Just stop. That's why most divorces happen is flat out selfishness. So yeah, lean, the coach in me it. is just yeah. saying, stop it. Lean Grow into up. it. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's, let's take some action steps let's here. Let's go positive. Okay. Here. Let's, we gotta, yeah. Yeah. Come on. Now let's turn it around here. So let's turn, some, some, some positive action steps. So you go first. So let's say a couple's one spouse is feeling very lonely in a relationship and maybe you've already talked about this and you've kind of come at a, you've hit a brick wall. It's like, what do we do next? So obviously at the different extremes, you might need to, you know, seek out a counselor just to get some tools. Or at the far end, you might need to do a, a three-day marriage intensive to kind of flush this out. But in the meantime, here's three action steps, and I'm sure there's a hundred more if you researched it. But we really resonated with these. So um, the first one is to take the initiative. I mean, if you're lonely, chances are your partner may be too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the other thing that's a a good step is to uh, learn your own love language. You might be telling the other spouse, I love you, I love you. But in the love language uh, vernacular, you might be speaking Italian and they're speaking Swahili and you just aren't connecting because you're talking a different language. So sometimes it really is a matter of reaching out. Like you said, maybe the love language is touch. It's not sexual, but it's Mm -hmm. touch. If you don't know that, that just a simple uh, hand on the shoulder or or a moment of an extra long embrace is is so important. And mm-hmm. and even the fact of a kiss when you get home or when you leave for the day is so much more meaningful than I think most of us really give it credit. Right. And that would be a great, uh, I want to say, shallow conversation, a safe conversation to have. Not that it's not important, but to be intentional to... Maybe take the five love languages quiz. It's online. It's at uh, love languages, five love languages.com. We just, uh, our previous uh, podcast, we interviewed the Gary Chapman, the, the, author. the author. So it's a free, anyway, anyway it's, it's a free. It's good. Go do and it. And it's a good conversation yeah. for you guys to have with each other. So, um, and then you might try to initiate conversations that are not about transactional details. Once again, to take the initiative. Ask them for their views about something they care about and make sure to demonstrate that you're listening. Because if I know that you're really listening, I feel cared for and I really feel validated. Yeah. And, and uh, listening is, I think, the harder job in communication and connection because you really do have to shut up. <laughs> I mean, really. Yeah. I mean, I have to shut up my what I think I'm going to say. I mean, we did a whole podcast on listening, yeah. but in reality, if you need a resource, get in touch with us on that. I've, I've got some great resources on listening and how to improve your listening skills. But I think the most important thing, this is the hardest thing about taking initiative, is you don't expect your spouse to reciprocate right away. Because, 
Yeah, this I mean, is going to happen with the flip of no. a switch, right? Habits take what twenty-one days. Literally, that can be really discouraging. And if you've the, been doing this a long time, it could be longer because yeah. your heart could be hard. You're right. You're right. But mm-hmm. after a few gestures of goodwill, hopefully they will likely return the favor. I want to define goodwill. Yes, it is whatever I do, think, uh, initiate is always for your behalf. That it's mm. it's good nature. Because goodwill, there's something called opposite of goodwill, and that's ill will, which are things that actually don't help, don't help, don't help, don't help. Can I get that clear? clear, Can I get that clear? You're not helping anything Mm -hmm. by having ill will. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, that's good. All right. So, you know. That was number one is to take initiative. Right. Right. Okay. So the second one, uh, taking uh, an action step is to create shared experiences. Now, let's talk about what we did last night because we had the shared experience that I wanted to have. <laughs> and I knew I knew that when you sat down on the couch to watch Star Wars with me cuz I'm I'm binging on Star Wars right now. <laughs> your 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 countenance was like not with me. I, I, but I, I knew it was I was important. feeling lonely. <laughs> <laughs> I was really feeling lonely. Well, now I realize where Darth Vader came from. So I feel like I'm empowered by I'm I'm I was going to say I'm a Trekkie, but that's Star Trek, yeah, not yeah. Star Wars. So not that I yeah, don't but like what, Star Wars. What, what was really cool was is that it was like, oh, that was the creation of that character. I didn't know it before. And I was really excited. You were like, oh, well, whatever. Well, no, I was, I was starting to feel you. But the point was and not that I'm getting any pat on the pat pat on the back or brownie points, but to make the idea the connection here to share experiences that even though I'm not like an uber Star Wars fan, I knew that that was important to Gil. So I sat down and watched it with him and was engaged. So, and you do that for oh, me many times. Oh, you were engaged, so. really. I mean, you, <laughs> because you did that, I was really engaged. <laughs> but the idea is You want to go pray? No. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't listened to past podcasts and you don't know what that means, you need to go back and listen yeah. to that. So anyway. But the idea is to have shared experiences. Yes. Maybe it's a shared, you know, we love to walk and hike so we share that experience together um i jazzercise you don't i don't (laughs) but we talk about it and you know at least you're sharing that experience with me and that's building the connection and then it i don't feel so lonely or that i'm doing that all by myself right there's another resource if you're interested uh it's put out by the gottman institute and it's called love maps now that sounds kind of ooey gooey and i'm sorry but that's what they called it but love maps is basically a combination of about 60 some questions about really knowing do i know the map to my spouse my partners my Mm -hmm. love of my life do i know the maps of how to get back and forth to things that you that are important to you that say I love you because I'm interested mm-hmm. in you. If you'd like that resource, let me know. We'll get it out to you. It's put out by the Gottman Institute. Great little thing. Questions start out kind of shallow, like what's your favorite color? What's your favorite? But then it gets down to some pretty deep questions that if you really didn't know, and when you do find out, that other person does feel loved. Yeah, and it it leads into deeper conversations right. too. Right. So, right. the last action step that we want to share with you is this little tidbit: practice taking their perspective. Meaning, can I really get behind your eyes and see where you're coming from? Because I think far too often, many of us, us many of us, uh, commit what I call a suicide. I assume because I've been with you for all these years, that I know what you're thinking or what mm-hmm. you're feeling. And so many times I am dead wrong. You're right. You're wrong. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, I am the queen of a suicide. Yeah, that just gets in the way. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. 
once I can take a step back, like if we're having a conflict, if I can take a step back and see your perspective, even though, I mean, so many times when I do that, when I actually stop to to be intentional to do that, which is hard in the middle of it, I get a whole new perspective. It's like, wow, I had no idea you were experiencing this. Mm-hmm. And then and then I can hopefully practice empathy and ask the questions like, wow, tell me more about that. Help me understand because I'm not used to that at all. Yeah, because when you practice empathy, I melt. I, I really feel at that point in time you care. Mm-hmm. I do. Because you're my best friend. We'll be right back, folks. (laughs) We got to (laughs) go. We got to go. Perspective taking, that actually builds intimacy and it increases the connection. It's surpassing communication at this point in time. Mm -hmm. So what are the steps of building intimacy? Kind of goes like this. When we build intimacy, we are genuinely seeking to know one another. I really want to know how you feel about something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that I'm going to judge you or kind of, you know, I got my opinion on it, but I really want to know. And when you feel that way, hopefully then you are then willing to take the risk and reveal what's really going on inside of you about mm-hmm. that particular issue. And then the next step of building intimacy is, is that once the knowing has begun, the revealing is taking place, that I convey that I care. Because if I convey that I don't care, I just destroyed everything that we've been working for. Yeah. That is the worst thing you can do to try to breach the gap of loneliness is I don't care. That 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 is a surefire way to make this problem even worse. And then the question is, why don't you care? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, and that's a whole deeper well, question I think, I than have you been hurt? Have you been, has there been a betrayal? I mean, that could go off in so many different places. And, you know, we see people that have been married 35 years and there's that attitude of, I just don't care. It's like, and once again, that just circle back around, it just brings such a sadness to me because you live your whole life with somebody. I mean, let's flush out this stuff and get to the nitty gritty and work it out. Because your point made a few moments ago earlier in the episode, Brenda, was is the fact here this couple's been together for all these years and there was something that took place that first or second year that never got dealt with. Mm-hmm. And then it erodes the safety. I think your point of these levels of loneliness, kind of talk about that a little bit. Well, you know, some people could be... I almost want to say like a surface lonely, like, oh, I I'm, I miss my spouse. We're not hanging out as much together because the kids are sucking the life out of us. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're empty nesting now. So I, I, I say that to give you hope if you have little ones <laughs> in, the, in the house. Um, so it could be as simple as like, you know what? We need some tools to help each other connect, engage, you know, make our date nights you know, something that are really intentional. So in that sense, it could be, I just, I need some help. Maybe I need to go see a counselor for a couple of sessions, you know, or it could be, wow, there is some deep seated things going on and a counseling session once a week for an hour, isn't going to cut it. Right. And that's maybe where they need, like we offer three day intensives. That's three, eight hour days of diving into the tough stuff. And the couples that we've worked with that come out of that, just, you know, we don't solve all the problems, but I think there's a new awareness of Mm -hmm. respect. Right. 
right. and at least a chance of, okay, this is how I learned to understand and how they, I learned to do empathy. They forgot to breathe. They forgot how to breathe relationally. Yeah. yeah. And, and like you always say, the friendship, right. there's the friendship's gone. Right. So how do we get the friendship going again? Right. And I think that you were hitting on that point to where there's wounds or there's betrayals. That's where you do need the professional help to get through it. But the intensives do a good job with that. Even the perspective of even getting online, if you're somewhere else in the country or the world, and you just need some coaching. We do coaching as well. And mm-hmm. it's some, you know, what seems to be really like this huge problem, as you kind of put it, Brenda, sometimes it just needs a little tweak, a little coaching, a little encouragement. Hey, try this, or maybe, maybe don't do that, but do this instead. So many times it's just a little bit of tweaking and yeah, once again, I, you know, I talked, I've talked to a lot of people lately that they're feeling lonely in their marriage or they're just a little disgruntled. And I think an old stat I read years ago is the average couple takes six years living like this before they get any help. And it's like, man, why do you wait so long? Life's too short. Let's just, that's the coach in me, I guess. Let's get down (laughs) the nitty gritty and fix it and try to heal and help each other so that we can have a marriage that rocks because your kids are watching you, society's watching you. I mean, and life's too short to be miserable, right? Right, right, right. right. Loneliness is not the intention of a good relationship, but the connection and the shared meaning and the love maps and all the things that we've mentioned today are really what all about it. So I couldn't agree with you more. Get so, the help. Yeah, and so the three action steps, once again, and we'll have this in our notes, our show notes, are take the initiative, okay. maybe take that risk to step out a little bit. All right, what's the next uh, one? Create shared experience. Experiences. Yep. Okay. okay. And, and then finally, practice uh, taking their perspective. Okay, good. And this is like just like one, steps 101. This is like basic, shallow, simple steps, hopefully. Right? And hopefully they'll <laughs> go deeper. <laughs> Because we could get into what you say a lot of psycho bad, but uh, no. we got to at least start no, really, somewhere. No, really, it's just it's just really doing the basics, and then it gets fun. So yeah. again, folks, we're really glad that you sat in and joined us today. Uh, we hope that uh, whatever's been said has been encouraging. If you do need to reach out to us, you can reach us where Brenda. Uh, our website gillandbrenda.com. Email us at hello at gillandbrenda.com. But remember, if you ain't got the marriage, you ain't got nothing. Take care. Glad you joined us today. Want to connect with us? Find us at gillandbrenda.com and the usual social media outlets. We are available for coaching, counseling, marriage intensives, seminars, workshops, retreats, and so much more. We'd love to encourage you in your relationship. Give us a call today. And thank you to our producer and engineer, Corby Stevens. <laughs>